I used an old computer and I could F5 refresh no compile and you could iterate a million times. You can now do this with full stack applications. A any kid on the other side of the planet can imagine something ambitious and they don't have to hold back and say, well, this is just for South India or for where I can afford servers or this part. No, this is like, you know what? I'm going to deploy this thing across the planet and find the cheapest providers. Hey, before we get started with this fun conversation with Sunil, he's building a lot of really cool things. We want to remind you that we have a Patreon. If you want to hear the full episode, you'll have to become a member over there. You can also support us by going to our merch shop and buying one of our shirts. With that, let's get on to the episode. Welcome to DevTools FM. This is a podcast about developer tools and the people who make them. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Justin. Hey, everyone. Uh, our guest today is Sunil Pai. Uh, Sunil works on the React team at Facebook. He created the CSS and JS library Glamour. He built Cloudflare CLI tool Wrangler, helped create Babel macros, and many, many other things. It's such a pleasure to have you on, Sunil. Um now you're sort of doing your own thing. You're working on uh, this project called Party Kit, uh, and we're really excited to have you on to talk about that. Uh, but before we get started talking about React and all the things that you've been up to and, and Party Kit, could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, hi. Uh, thanks for having me. I've uh, been looking forward to this. Uh, really nice. Um, I, I think you hit like the major points about the last five, six years of my life. I've uh, otherwise traveled a bunch. I spent a bunch of time in India, a little bit in the US. Of course, I was contracting at the time. And now I've been in London for the last five, six, well, a little over five years now. And uh, it's uh, pretty great. And uh, I think I'm, I'm coming up with a founder story. Now that I'm a founder, I <laughs> have decided that my head is three times uh, bigger than it used to be. Uh, how lucky for you that you get to talk to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I I, I, uh, I I did my time in Cloudflare and that was very exciting for me because uh, I got a big insight into what, how powerful something like edge computing can be. And I've kind of made it my life's mission, so to speak, uh, to drag everyone into the 21st century. Uh PartyKit is the first project in that where I'm trying to build a platform for collaborative real-time multiplayer apps. But I think it's kind of been the theme of my career so far. Stuff like Glamour, uh, uh, bullying my way onto the React team, and even just joining <laughs> Cloudflare. <laughs> Cloudflare, I joined saying like, yeah, I don't like your CLI. I want to fix it for you. They're like, sure, <laughs> uh, just come do that. Yeah, nurse uh, but yeah, that's the CLI work. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And yeah, now I'm at a place where I think... Uh, I have a focused idea of a big, few big projects, and PartyKit is the first one of them. So that's the plan. Uh, bringing, uh, really, really letting developers build like ambitious ideas as of today. Like, uh, how quickly can we make it happen? I think it's awesome, though, that you're branching off and doing your own thing now. So you've had a pretty, uh, a pretty long, like, storied career. You've like worked on a lot of stuff, and this is sort of, I think the dream right to like have a nice like technical project that you know your career's sort of building been building up to that you can sort of take and run with and it's like yeah i don't know i'm i'm excited for you even in this you know and I, I think it sounds really fun uh I, I do have this tendency if you look at my resume so to speak it looks like i've job hopped a lot and i kind of have uh but 
It's been conscious. So what happened is I got into a really good engineering college back uh, in 2000, uh, 2001. Jesus. I, oh, by the way, fun fact, I just uh, realized today that I was born closer to the end of World War II than today. So I am probably the oldest one in the room nowadays, which is just a weird thing to realize. It just happened without me knowing it. <laughs> um, so, so in the last 15, 16, well, not, uh, close, closer to 20 years, really, I've done a bunch of things. Like I built out a big e-commerce stack that scaled really well. At one point, everyone was moving from PHP to Node. So I did one of those, right? Like crazy uh, scale. Uh, I worked in a design shop for a while. That was really fun. Uh, designers, they should ship uh, much faster than they do, which is why I went back to a tech company. Uh, moving to London was also interesting. Even before I actually uh, joined the React team, I spent a year and a half uh, with Oculus doing writing React for VR, which was the most sci-fi fun job of my life. That is just like very, very cool. Uh, and the only job that I would have left it for was to join the React team. I spent a year in the React team and I didn't do well at all. Well, I did some things well. Uh, but then like I moved on, it was the pandemic. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, a big theme for me has been uh, trying to build ambitious tools for ambitious developers. And the thing is that the world is going through this phase of global peace and the economy is doing so well right now. So the timing is just perfect, I think, to do a startup. Uh, you don't have to make it even <laughs> the stupidest thing I've said so far. Uh, no, I figured it had it had to be now or never. Like I finally got a residency and I didn't need a visa sponsor, which meant that I could actually just do my own thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it for another year. And... Yo, I got to tell you, like, uh, I didn't realize Party Kit would have the kind of attention that it's actually grabbed. It's my DMs are filled with people who just want to use it, which is why I've been moving so fast uh, on it. I hope to open it up for local development to everybody but within like the next three weeks, uh, which would give this thing, I think within two and a half months, I've gone from uh, no code to literally like, yeah, everybody should be building this really quickly, which is nice. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to move that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So before we dive into that a little, that a little bit more and like edge computing as a whole, because I'm sure people in our audience have no clue what those two, two words mean together. Uh, let's go a little bit deeper on your time in React. So one thing that you just said that interested me a whole lot, uh, and I'd like to hear the story for is how did you bully your way onto the React team? How can I do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I want so, to do that? <laughs> uh, uh, first, you have to be in, well. You're you got to be incredibly friendly, uh, so people trust you. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the first. So it's like fishing. Is. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's why you, you become everybody's buddy. Uh, no. So what happened is, uh, I um, I've been involved in the React community for years before that. Ever since it like kind of came out. In fact, I think. Uh, I remember when React Native announced, I don't know if you remember, it was a closed beta only for people who attended the conference. Do you remember like that? Like only the people who showed up for the announcement had access to it. And we were in India and uh, me and my buddy Param, we were uh, we uh, we were seeing just the tweets, in fact, and we saw the blog post and we faked, uh, we built it from scratch just based on that we were like oh this is my uh, this might be what it might be like and we sent it to Viju Christopher Shudu uh, and he immediately gave us access to the repo I think we were the first production deployment of React Native in India before anyone wow. else simply because like we just went so fast with it so no so I've been involved in the React community for a while since then uh, the whole CSS and JS thing there was a 
fun few years. Mm. Uh, I got a bunch of, a <laughs> lot of people insulted me in public <laughs> and in the DMs as well. But I, I don't have too many regrets about that. Um, I helped out with, uh, uh, when uh, Dan was making Redux, uh, I, I was, uh, well, he even credits some of my work for it in the README. Um, so I kind of had an in with that first wave of people who were working on React-related projects and trying to figure out what the edges of this whole new component declarative programming model was. Um, then I worked at uh, Oculus, like I said. Uh, I actually came joined Facebook. I spent a year and a half in Oculus. And that the floor there was right above the React floor in London, which meant that every lunch break or every evening, I would just go downstairs, hang out with uh, Dominic and Dan, because I kind of already knew them as friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept like talking to them, especially because because we were doing the whole React in VR thing, we kept hitting like the performance edge cases that you could there you have to like if you don't hit 16 mil, uh, 16 milliseconds as a buffer you're screwed like it has to be 60 fps or people are throwing up uh, if the ui doesn't uh, get, stay up to that so I, I kept like interacting with them had a bunch of ideas and i think like on one offsite when i went to uh, menlo park uh, sophie and sebastian pulled me aside and said hey uh, do you want to like maybe just work on these things on the team itself and i was like God, does a bear shit in the woods. Uh, so yeah, that, that's uh, that's how I got in. It was uh, it was um, it was quite nice that uh, uh, they asked me to join, and I spent a year with them before I left. That's awesome. Uh, in hindsight, I don't know, man. Maybe there was a bit of a I don't want to say a mismatch, but I think I never really found my. I shipped some nice things. I think one, I got sixteen dot nine out of the door. Uh, I I take credit. F- I don't know if you've ever done this. Do you remember when the method names got the unsafe underscore prefix mm, yeah. like, uh, a bunch of the uh, method names so um we were, everyone was freaking out because you would have to rewrite um <coughs> you would have to uh, rewrite all of those to remove the warnings and we had a code mod in place but i think i like fixed that to become like a one liner i don't even now if you like for example use component will mount or did mount i forget which one was unsafe uh, the console log statement is a, hey, run this one-liner in your code base and replace every instance with unsafe underscore. Uh, and that I thought was pretty cool. Like that, like we didn't get any complaints. And over, overnight, just the usage of that library went. Uh, I made the testing API. It was called ACT. Well, it still is called ACT. Uh, oh, awesome. So that's quite nice. Uh, well, yeah, it was quite important. Uh, it was important basically because hooks kind of changed the scheduling model. So you needed to make sure all effects were run before you could make any uh, um, assertions on your uh, about the elements on screen. So I did act, I did that. I did some uh, research work on how suspense would work with images and style sheets, mostly images. That was very cool. And I can't wait for them to like actually ship that because uh, right now there is exactly one UI framework that has... Uh, uh, so if you if you've used web vitals and uh, metrics like that, it's something called CLS, which is cumulative layout shift, which is how a page moves around while it loads, uh, and you want that to be as close to zero as possible, ideally like one frame. But you also don't want to freeze the entire screen, um, waiting for everything to load because that would just del- that's pretty much the same as client side rendering anyway. Uh, so I did some work with images where. 
you would never really see any empty blocks where images would render and they would all coalesce into like um into like singular commits and that i think was actually really cool and i did that work in 2019 and it's still not shipped i think they've now announced well announced in the sense they said that's on their roadmap now it's called suspensive images so hopefully in 2023 uh so that's roughly what i managed I, and i shipped 16.9 there was very much a the entire team was being lazy about it so i put on my product my project manager cap and said i'm going to go to literally every single one of you and ask you what the status of your prs were so you can thank me for 16.9 <laughs> that was a good release fixed a bunch of things nice nice <laughs> well maybe speaking about solving the world's hard problems let's let's talk a little bit about your you know life goal <laughs> bringing people into the future and uh sort of like how that relates to what you were thinking about when you're working at Cloudflare and and edge computing as a principle. Uh let's talk about edge computing first. Yeah, yeah. Yep, what is edge computing? <laughs> Love it. Stupidest name ever by the way. Absolutely stupid name. <laughs> uh and I think it actually originated from IoT folks or anything. But let's keep that aside. Let's just actually talk about the problem. Uh, so uh in the 90s sure uh to host a website you would put all your code on one server and point all your requests at it and you would get responses fine a uh, couple of problem uh problems with that uh the more users you have the more the ca- computer starts getting uh, hammered uh so you got to put a second computer and now you have a load balancer that splits it out uh you keep doing this uh and uh you eventually have it spread across the country you're like yeah, we have some computers in this data center we have some computers in this data center and so in india you would probably put it in the metros bombay delhi madras bangalore calcutta that sort of thing uh and that's good for a while uh but you and there are trade offs to that system and we'll talk about the trade offs in the middle okay so now that model now multiply that by 1000 not just in terms of cities but even inside cities you end up having thousands and thousands of little uh places where you can put these machines uh so cloudflare right now i think is the definitive one though i think and for a slightly different reason than amazon so they're both in roughly 250 275 cities i suspect cloudflare will hit 300 sometime this year uh but it's not uh, cloudflare actually doesn't have data centers they will take their racks and install it directly where the isps are so they don't like they don't even like the hop to make from your phone like the moment it hits the isp there's a good chance it's hitting a cloudflare box like right there uh either they put their racks or they come and install their software on uh this thing so even though it's 275 cities it's actually closer to 10000 what they call points of presence because they just make deals with all these isps all these telecommunication people and just put their software all there so when they say edge I think the word edge refers to it's on the very edge of your boundary with the real internet which is hey the moment your packets bounce off one or two cells uh so that's what edge computing is it's basically this idea of number of servers but spread across the world uh but there are some trade offs there uh, in your older model it was your responsibility to literally make sure the computer was running and to have monitoring software on it and to run a little script system d i think used to be like the old one that did it which would like literally spin it up and you'd use something like nodemon or whatever to 
uh, check if uh, the process was running, if it wasn't, spin it up again, anytime it dies. This would all be your headache. Uh, uh, in the edge computing world, it takes some of that headache away from you. It takes, the system takes uh, uh, responsibility for spinning up these threads and processes. And it gives you like some form of monitoring observability for it. Uh, but the trade-offs are also, so for example, Cloudflare uses V8. V8 is a JavaScript engine, much like, I think the one that powers Safari is called JavaScript core, I think, uh, something like that. Uh, uh, whatever. Uh, so V8 is the one that uh, Chrome came up with in the late 2000s and is now used by Node, etc. So uh, Cloudflare uses a, a version of it where it can spin up thousands of these things that they call isolates on the same machine where each one is given about like 128 MB of RAM and some CPU, which it turns out is actually really great for the use case of taking a bunch of requests and throwing it back out, like just sending responses on it. Uh, and so it works, but the trade-off now is, oh, you if it's just 128 MB of RAM, you can't really run. Oh, and at the time they had like a one MB script limit. I think now they, if you're a paying customer, you have a five MB script limit, which means, you're not shifting, uh, you're not uh, sending like some big binary, you're not running FFmpeg, you're not running video encoding on these systems, which is a good use, which is a good trade-off, right? Like if you're running FFmpeg, uh, there's a good chance that you don't need a 10 millisecond latency thing. You can run that on a few servers somewhere and use Cloudflare to talk to them. Uh, but it turns out for a good 80, 90% of use cases, this model is really great, especially like serving websites and static stuff and APIs, with proxies, what have you. Uh, and that's kind of what Cloudflare is betting on. Everybody talk, and my mental model for it has changed a little bit. It used to be, uh, oh, imagine tens of thousands of servers. Uh, but now I like to imagine this uh, stretchy balloon or like a buckyball of servers just covering the planet. Imagine, like I imagine it to be like one server with many thousands and potentially millions of processes running for you. And the moment you make a request, it basically just finds the part on the stretchy balloon that's closest to you and responds to that. Uh, the big trade-off is data, right? Your cap theorem is immutable. Uh, you can now choose to have a centralized database and the folks who are closest to it will have good response times. The, cloaks, uh, the folks who are farthest from it will have bad, worse response times. Uh, so now you... You end up with the same problem, but it's much harder with data. Okay, so now you have two databases, let's say on two sides of the planet. So now if somebody makes a write to this server uh, and somebody makes a read from this server, how does it stay consistent? How do you make sure that it stays consistent? And that's been a favorite com computer science problem for the last 60 years. It's, there's the cap theorem. Like you have to feel, okay, now one is a leader and you have read replicas and you have to make sure. It, so, uh, so data is actually, a, an unsolved problem, I think, even for Cloudflare, but they're working on it. They have a database that they call D1, um, which is interesting. I don't even think it's in, like, some people use it in production, but it's not fully production ready yet. Uh, fly, the fly.io folks are working on some stuff with uh, SQLite. SQLite. Yeah, yeah uh, th that team is sensational, by the oh, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget. Yeah, they're uh, they're doing some very exciting work. I would keep an eye on them. I know Deno is working on stuff like this. AWS always has like 12 databases that it wants to sell you to solve one of these problems. 
Um, yeah, so Cloudflare's database is it is it D three? Is that the one? Or, or D one. It's called D one. But it's like a it's like SQLite, basically, isn't it? It is SQLite, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's SQLite. Yeah, super it's interesting. SQLite. Uh, that, it's very weird that SQLite is having this cultural it's moment having, again over yeah. the last two years. This like resurgence. Yeah. It's, well, I, I say resurgence. That's a misnomer because it's like the most widely used database well, <laughs> on the planet, right? So, well, it's on everyone's phone, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing I'm hearing is that Chrome is also going to ship SQLite now. Is that right? I think so. I think they might be moving away from Web SQL, what have you, and literally shipping A4 SQLite. Well, so SQLite has a WASM extension that they built in, like that they're at, the team is actually supporting, right? So it's like right. there's better browser support for it now. Um, but ironically, Chrome is also changing their caching rules. So it's like they're uh, <laughs> they're breaking the cache boundaries across uh, domains or whatever. <laughs> Which is now every domain has to Yeah, you know, own. all but your WASM cool modules no longer shared. Yeah, too bad. Okay, so you gave us a pretty good overview of, like, what edge computing is as a space. But out of that space, like, what excites you the most about it? What, how, how does this look like a new frontier of computing to you? How, yeah. Okay, so the big obvious one for me is a thing that's been close to my heart for computing for all of my career, social mobility. Uh, technology always uh, starts from a place of uh, two things. One is uh, only experts can use it, uh, and it requires money. It requires capital, uh, both in terms of uh, money to spend on like hardware, etc., but also to spend on people to manage these things. Uh, in the 90s, websites were made by experts, uh, but then it got commoditized and uh, long story short, now you can just sign up for a free database and use a JavaScript client to it. You don't need to be a database expert to use a This was the case to even write a PHP website and CGI bin and what have you, you'd have to find a, a VPS uh, provider. And do, uh, so, uh, but for me, the big deal is that technology actually gave me social mobility. So I did really, I, I got into a really good engineering college. And then I immediately discovered alcohol and marijuana, and I did really poorly. <laughs> uh, it was great, but I don't remember much of it. That's 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 uh, that's what it is. Um, so I found myself uh, with all my plans uh, in disarray. Like I just uh, I I wanted to do a postgrad, everything. All of those plans were gone, and I found a job doing front end development for a firm in Hyderabad, India. And it was amazing. I loved it. I was like, oh, shit, this is awesome. But this was at the time when JavaScript and front-end development was still considered not real engineering, mm -hmm. uh, It, uh, uh, which was fine by me. It paid the bills. It didn't even pay it that well, but I uh, roomied with a guy who was into com. He had like a shit ton of comic books, so I would read comic books all night, then go write JavaScript all day. It was amazing. <laughs> That's I, I a life. Yeah, I, I miss that career a lot. And he was the kind of nerd who loved collecting single issues, not like graphic novels. Oh, nice, so nice. he had all the originals and everything. Um, anyway, uh, that's a whole other story. Uh, but it kind of got me out of a baddish situation. Uh, but also the 2000s were about uh, India becoming uh, 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 the outsourcing center of the world. So it pulled thousands and millions of people out of uh, it gave them a way better career that they could support their families. It could support uh, their even friends, whatever. Like it uh, ba basically gave them a way to move into higher strata uh, in the uh, as a socioeconomic level. Sorry, uh, I, I don't know the words. They, they did well for themselves. Like uh, technology and programming gave them a way which uh, uh, to do well in the world, and it actually raised India's 
level in the world as well. And for me, that has always been important, which is, oh, shit, this is one thing technology does, uh, which is why I'm not really scared of AI and LLM. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like it is going to bring the next few million people up. This is kind of what we want. Now, it's another thing that there seem to be very few players who are collecting capital at the top, but that's also a problem I think that open source will solve. Regardless, uh, that said, uh, an unattainable thing has always been scale. Uh, scale in terms of being able to deploy your ideas across the world. Uh, it kind of happened for static sites in the early 2010s, 2015, uh, but real dynamic working stuff where you have compute and storage that is now becoming accessible via edge computing to the rest of the world. Cloudflare, when you deploy code on Cloudflare, for example, you don't choose a region. They don't let you choose a region. They decide where and how the code is going to be across the world based on usage, all that jazz. And that's how they can keep it so cheap. And it is so cheap. It fundamentally means now that uh, I became a front-end developer because two things, right? The internet was cheap for me. And I didn't need a powerful computer to program it. I used a shitty old computer and I could F5 refresh no compile and you could iterate a million times. You can now do this with full stack applications. Uh, for any, any kid uh, on the other side of the planet uh, can imagine something ambitious. Hey, I want to build an app for fill in the blanks. And they don't have to hold back and say, well, this is just for, let's say, just uh, uh, South India or for where I can afford servers or despite, no, this is like, you know what, I'm going to uh, deploy this thing across the planet and find the cheapest providers. And edge computing provides social mobility. And I wish more people like saw this, that you can take, it, it is very easy to achieve scale now with edge computing. That's one thing. The second, and that's the thing that I'm working on right now, is the types of applications can now be more ambitious, especially at this time when, Literally everything has changed in the last five, six months. You would be like, you cannot deny that something very new is brewing and it's not crypto. Uh, <laughs> Thank so, God. Yeah. I, <laughs> something. Bro, I, I really did not want to learn Rust, bro. Like I was like, no, I don't want to do this. Uh, so no, like in this, in this interesting period, like how do you make this sort of, uh, so keeping aside the AI LLM stuff, you still need GPUs for that. But again, that, the cost, of the the required cost of those GPUs has already gone down in three months. It'll keep going down. But um, uh, the types of applications that are built for the last five, 10 years, we have gravitated towards this somewhat stat, uh, okay, mostly static, but the dynamic nature is mostly on the front end, like very client side animation-y stuff. Uh, but the moment you want to build anything that's comp, the, it is not within the grasp of a regular person to build Google Docs today as, an, as a weekend project. Uh, this is, I'm clearly segueing into party kit here, but let me, <laughs> let, 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 me, let me talk about it, why it's important to me. It turns out uh, uh, in the last two or three years, some things have happened, which is some of the libraries and ecosystems have matured. So uh, there's a very popular library called YJS. It's a lab for CRDTs, these conflict resolution data types. Uh, another one that just had a version 2.0 WASM release two days ago was AutoMerge. Uh, AutoMerge, yeah. So good. And the team behind that, Ink and Switch folks. Oh, legends. Uh, there's also something which isn't really a CRDT, but it's called Replicash. Uh, they seem to have a bunch of... Uh, 
attention at the moment because they kind of do a video game style strategy of doing syncing like it's kind of like rollback netcode uh, which is a whole other thing but they have a model uh, there's also a third party service which just had a 1.0 launch literally a few hours ago called liveblocks uh, their pricing is a little weird but they're actually such a smooth polished product uh, i look forward to competing with them uh, <laughs> anyway so um, so some of those libraries have come into place but uh, it's Unfor- it's unfortunate that the platform for deploying this, I want to say it doesn't exist right now, but it does exist. And that's my job, like to make it more accessible <laughs> to everyone else. I'll give, I, 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 I did a write-up about this. So let me explain uh, what the problem Let's say you're building a collaborative application and it's uh, uh, five people working on a document. Okay. Like uh, just a Google Docs document. Uh so you, when you're building this locally, you'll run a little node server uh, and you will say that uh, you'll make a little const obj, obj, which holds the state of the entire document. Okay. Uh, and you will start reading stuff. Let's say you're using WebSockets for this. It could be HTTP as well, but let's say you're saying using WebSockets and why WebSockets, you're sending these messages, which is like, hey, edit this, change this uh, little bit to something else, change... Uh, so the, uh, let's just say it's a counter. Uh, you can send increment and decrement functions. Okay, so you say one, 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 and you refresh it in your page and you see it keeps increasing when, when you press the button. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, let me deploy it out onto some cluster of servers. Uh, and then you share the URL with your friends and uh, immediately you start seeing problems, which is everybody is just seeing the number one. Uh, your clicks on the number one are not being shown on their screen. Five of them are in the same room and they can see it, but for some reason it's not happening for you. And the reason for this is uh, the model is split, right? There are multiple processes. Each process is holding its own instance of this OBJ model or whatever counter model you're using. So now you end up having to, uh, I, I won't go through all the intermediate steps. What ends up happening is that you need to use like one centralized Redis instance to maintain the state of all the connections and all the documents. It immediately becomes this distributed systems problem. And as we know, distributed systems are the easiest problem to solve in computer science. Uh, uh, so, no, so, uh, and that is the problem, right? So it doesn't matter how distributed all your compute is like across the world, you end up with the same kind of problem with databases that you need some centralized data store to like synchronize this stuff. And that is slow as shit. You start, uh, A, it's slow as shit. Like you'd never get the kind of like instant feedback. Like you can be having like a call, let's say like a Google talk call and people typing, but there's like multi-second delay simply because these packets have to travel across the planet and it just, it just sucks. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the problem we're done. Uh, no, no, no. So the, the, there is a solution here. Um, uh, anyway, so wait, uh, b- before I get to the solution, there are two other big problems. One biggish problem here. Since now you need to do this whole Redis thing and you need to manage a whole cluster of servers, etc. Deploying this pr- product into production now means you need to hire people and you need to spend a bunch of money on their time and effort and tools to manage it. This means that the kid who has an idea just to deploy a multiplayer role-playing game, nothing too complicated, screwed, he's not going to push it out there which is why the kind of web applications we've seen have kind of reached a plateau mm-hmm. in the kind of stuff that we build. And the only people who do complicated stuff is 
your Google or your Figma 20 bill uh, or um, what are, uh, Quake, video game companies, because they can spend the money on it. Awesome. So what is the cloud edge computing solve for this? It's fucking awesome. Uh, for a given, so Cloudflare has, has this tech. It's called durable objects, but I assume other providers will as well. It inverts the edge computing model and it says, hey, we will give you that original computing model that you did lo local development with. For a given ID, we will make sure that everybody who connects to it literally connects to the same isolate, the same process that I was talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, no matter where they're connecting from the world. The nice thing about something that's collaborative is usually like they're within a five to eight hour time zone. So the latency isn't actually that much. Uh, but it does mean that there is just a line of sight um, latency between all the players who are connecting to this. I do a lot of gesturing and my problem is that my hands are outside of this uh, rectangle, by the way. So I have to keep bringing it in. But assume I'm waving... you. You can't see it, but I'm waving my hands wildly. It'll right be in now. the full screen, though, so you're fine. You're good. Yeah, you'll be in the YouTube video. Yeah. Hands <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't... Oh, yeah. damn. See, I should have kept a very cool guitar just here. Uh, that I would have... Oh, this guitar? I didn't notice that my Les Paul was right here. Anyway, okay, okay. Uh, so, yeah, no, so it does that. And uh, this is ultra fascinating because, A, it's brilliantly fast. These packets don't have to travel across the planet anymore. And it's kind of like self-optimizing the people who are using these things, like end up connecting to the same thing across the planet, much like the original compute model, right? Like the original compute model that I was talking about, I said that like for one person, it would find the closest thing. Now for the five people, it'll find like the closest point to connect to. Uh, and the programming model is so simple now. Like you can literally hold, for example, an array of WebSocket connections. And if you want to like broadcast, you say, yeah, for connection in this array, just do a dot send message. Uh, it uh, stuff like the replicash model, multiplayer gaming, all this collaborative stuff uh, becomes extremely simple to not extremely simple, but relatively easy to start developing for. And it does the other thing which I really like about this technology, which is that it makes it way cheaper, like dramatically cheaper. If your game doesn't get any attention, uh, then it's fine. It's probably going to be within the free tier. Right, like right. Cloudflare has a very nice. Well, I'm also going to have a free tier. Please use party kit for this. Uh, and uh, uh, if it does well, then it probably, A, it probably means you're pro ho hopefully you've slapped an ad on the page and that revenue itself will like pay for it. Uh, but do you see what I mean when I talk about like ambitious applications? It's not about, hey, I want you to solve hard problems. It's that the platform has solved a bunch of the hard problems for you, you should be working on your business logic slash game slash next big idea. Uh, and that's what excites me about uh, edge computing. That's kind of what I want to, when I say I want to drag developers into the 21st century, my whole point is that this um, technology exists today, like today, uh, but it is not accessible yet because it's because engineers love engineering problems and they don't like making it a product mm. that uh, everyone can use. Uh, and that's uh, kind of the thing that's driving me. Uh, I uh, I wake up every day and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I think I can do this. I love that. Uh, and it, to be fair, it's not just me. Like, it's actually quite exciting to see that multiple players at the same cultural moment are working on the same problem. Uh, and it's uh, awesome. I'm glad I have competition. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, you're talking about edge computing being this um, 
sort of tool to level the playing field a little bit to provide some economic mobility, social mobility, uh, something that we talk a lot about on the podcast over many episodes is incidental complexity and the cost that it has on our development story. And, and it's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this podcast in, in general is because like tools generally help with this, right? They ho- hopefully mm-hmm. help lower your, your incidental complexity. Um, and as I've gotten older and maybe wiser, hopefully wiser. I find that like I value platforms that allow me to write less code to express the, the, you know, solution to the product problem that I'm trying to solve. Right. It's like, I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to invent a new framework here. I just want to render some pixels on the screen and I want to do it in a way that somebody can come behind me in two years and like read it and understand it and maintain it and make changes without hopefully it being intimidating, you know, it's unfortunate if you need, you know, somebody who's been in the industry for 15 years to edit your web app, right? Like that's such an unfortunate problem to have. Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super excited about this. And, and also it's interesting. So I just looking at some of the stuff that you've posted on party kit, you know, back in the day, I used like socket IO to like play around with some like real time games and stuff. And, and I feel like there hasn't been besides some of the the services like Replicash and LiveBlocks and like some of the companies solving this problem. There hasn't been a whole lot of like as much library movement. It feels like in the past like five years or so, especially in, until sort of like now. I guess is like it is really interesting. That's kind of coming to a head. See, bang on right. Like I, I, you're just in fact think about it. Uh, the guy who made Socket IO is Guillermo Roche who runs Vercel, and Vercel does not have a real-time story. <laughs> That's kind of wild. Very <laughs> simply because, right? And it's because it's been operationally hard and expensive. Mm-hmm. There's, there was a lot of innovation that happened on the client side part of things. Uh, but the, And even on the server, like Socket.io is gold standard. I'm totally going to rip it off for a library for PartyKit. Uh, but uh, there was never really any innovation on the platform side. You were always reinventing these things in user land. So the moment you try to do anything ambitious, it would immediately become way too expensive to like manage. And unless you're a big company, uh, you just wouldn't you'd be like, yeah, we're just not going to do this. We can solve some other problem right now. But that is changing. That that exactly that problem now is changing with edge compute and so on. Well, I, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, what does working with party kit feel like? So like, like, what does it compare to with not working with party kit? Love it. Uh, party kit brings some very, okay. So there are a number of services out there right now that a uh, number of them have been out there for a while, in fact, and they all have their own strengths. Um, there have been some players like Pusher, Ably, which is like PubSub message sending. You drop a message and somewhere else you can hear it on a topic, etc. cetera. Um, uh, Replicash right now is only a client. Well, it's just the software that you would deploy onto a platform. Um, LiveBlocks is a third-party service where most of the lo- all of the logic for you, you have to basically handle on the client side. The angle I'm taking with PartyKit is that it's an end-to-end platform slash toolkit. And I explain what that means. The first one is that you get to write your own code. Uh, it you in the simplest 
form, it's just a, you export one function that says, hey, on connect WebSocket to a room, what do you do? Uh, and it turns, uh, I just love that that's the API because uh, all the complexity, so to speak, is hidden behind that. All the connection to a room, uh, distributing it across the planet, etc. Even uh, Even the storage API just comes with it. Uh, so the number of features that you actually get to write your own code, which I think is super important because it means that you get to pick the trade-offs. Uh, in, uh, uh, instead of a third-party service that says, hey, this is how you should build applications, you get to build on it and make changes to it or add two or three of them together. You get to deploy NPM packages, whatever JavaScript runs in this thing and Wasm. I just la uh, landed Wasm support last week, uh, which is good because AutoMerge 2.0 is Wasm. So... I'm going to get the new YJS, which is written in Rust and AutoMerge uh, and Replicash uh, as well uh, running on and my socket IO clone, possibly a live blocks clone as well. Let's see. Uh, I'll get, you get to pick, like that's just it. The whole point of this is A, that you get to pick. Uh, Particate also like responds to regular HTTP requests. So you also get to, uh, sorry, one second. Uh, so you also get to write regular HTTP request response handlers if you don't want to do a WebSocket, which is great when you're writing something like a mobile website and you don't want it sucking up battery. So you can do like long polling, just make a call every 10 seconds or awesome. something like it. Uh, so, uh, first, so you get to write your own code. Uh, B, uh, you get all the niceties that you expect from a development platform like this. Uh, stealing some ideas from not just WordCell, but also Cloudflare pages, uh, Heroku, whatever. So environment variables, very neat secrets, all that stuff. Uh, preview URLs. So every PR gets a URL that you can test with your application. And if you're happy with it, uh, you use it and land it. And when you close the PR, it magically disappears. Just such a great feature, uh, and which is very hard for a third-party service to do, especially if they don't let you write your own code, but this does it. Uh, analytics of the... Uh, per room usage basis. In fact, I think I might just expose the analytics back as an API so people can take it and do, well, they might want to pass on the costs to their users and customers. So uh, this has to be a platform for platforms. Um, Particate also comes with libraries. Uh, uh, and all, all of this is open source. Literally two things are not open sourced, which is the core uh, part that I deploy onto my servers and my dashboard because I don't want people seeing my CSS. I've not written proper CSS in like four years. Uh, I refuse to put that in in a, in a public repository. Well, well, yeah, you were writing CSS and JS for so long. How could you? <laughs> How could I? I have forgotten all the basics. However, anyway, so, uh, so no, uh, but I'm, uh, there are a bunch of libraries. So for example, YJS, uh, Currently, it doesn't work on Cloudflare or any of that. So I wrote that from scratch. And in fact, that's nice. It's basically four lines of code and you get a fully functioning, scalable YJS backend with persistence. Awesome. Uh, I'll get AutoMerge working as well. I have this resilient WebSocket thing that does retries and buffering when it's not connected and all of that. Uh, honestly, one of the big, because of this, and th that's what I like about good design. One of the nice things about this is, A, not only do you have a local development story, but you get to write tests for your own code, right? And run it on GitHub Actions or your air-gapped machine that doesn't talk outside to any external services and all that. So like it's it's a proper developer toolkit end-to-end. -end. You get libraries, testing utilities, local CLI uh, for stuff. And then you finally get to deploy it onto the edge, uh, the edge. 
Cloudflare has uh, started stopped has stopped calling it the edge. By the way, I don't know if you know this. They're uh, trying to push the phrase super cloud. So I will push it on to. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I have a lot of friends there, so I refuse to comment on it publicly. Uh, so I push it onto the super cloud, uh, which is effectively my thing that uses Cloudflare, but also some other like fun proprietary shit, mostly just to like do metrics and analytics and stuff. Uh, but yeah, you pr- push it out there and within a few seconds, it's available across the planet. Mm-hmm. So you can start using it. So there's this whole end-to-end experience that I want developers to feel comfortable using because... Those are the standards that the tools before us have brought so far. So that's the thing I'm building. And there are a couple of other things. There's like admin APIs for seeing how many rooms or starting up new rooms. GDPR compatibility. So you make sure that a room and its storage is only within uh, uh, the European Union, um, which uh, we used to be a part of uh, the UK. <laughs> and uh, they decided we decided to do our own thing. Um, anyway, but so like GDPR compact is a part of the story. Um, what else? What else do I got? Uh, yeah, but I, I think like that's the rough story. Like it's, it's that what I'm really, I'm building the kind of platform that I would like to use to build my real time applications. And what that means is that within f- under five minutes, I have something that's working ready to go like a setup that's ready to go i don't have to worry about i use es like i ship es build so you can use any npm module it bundles it minifies it all that stuff uh and i would like to use it with anything else oh that's the other part of this use it with your Vercel app your netlify app your this thing this is just the side chain that does the networking around it so i wanted this platform to exist for myself to build real-time apps and it's kind of what i'm building so that's what party kit does it's the uh, it it is perfect and it has no trade offs. <laughs> yeah. So so in summation, it sounds like it's a uh, real time Vercel, basically like batteries included, deployments. You get you, your party kit is your next JS. Uh, you can go from nothing to real time app in five minutes. Love it. Stealing that line, putting it in my pitch deck. Yes. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. I uh, I. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I, maybe maybe I should just start calling it Vercel for WebSockets, Vercel <laughs> for real time. There are trade offs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and I, maybe that's the thing that I should also call out, which is, um, so the big trade off right now is in this model. Like I said, everyone like connects to like one single isolate. It suddenly means that you can't do high concurrency things here. So, for example, you can't build Discord simply because you can't have thousands of people connecting to a one twenty eight. MB RAM thing, which is fine. That is very much the trade-off uh, that I want. In fact, part of me thinks that chat was such a big discra- distraction from real-time apps. Like everyone built these things and said, well, build the next chat system on it. I'm like, why? Why would I do that? Like I have Twitter, <laughs> I have Discord. Like I don't need a third or fourth thing. Uh, the other thing, and I probably will ship it in Particate at some point, which is uh, I could also imagine doing audio and video with the exact same uh, infrastructure, which is, hey, connect to one thing and uh, super fast audio video instead of having to, in fact, I assume without doing WebRTC or peer-to-peer. But you know what? Actually, I've got a little bit of pushback from the people I've spoken to about this. I thought it would be a killer feature. And they're like, no, we already have 
Google Talk, Zoom, Skype, whatever going. All we need is something to show the other rest of the application on. And it's come up so much that it's just, it, it goes against all intuition I had about this. But yeah, people uh, aren't really looking for audio video. Maybe it's a maybe it's a question of time. I think uh, the more people start building real-time apps, which a lot of people don't right now, I think once they start doing that, uh, I think they'll probably want audio video in it. And I'll get to it in a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, audio and video are kind of like last mile sort of things. We definitely are feeling the edges of like what browsers and computers can do right now. I have a bunch of plans for PartyKit. Right now it's very much the, hey, there's, I think the pandemic high of everything has to be collaborative all the time has subsided. Turns out you don't actually want to be staring at a screen (laughs) and doing all that all the time. But now it turns out that, Remote work is great in pieces and there are multiple forms of collaboration. It's not just the everyone on the same document at the same time. It's also asynchronous. It's your GitHub. Uh, it's also uh, a Google Doc style where you don't actually get to edit the doc, but you get to leave suggestions and people say, accept, 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 accept. Uh, and I think I want to get there. Uh, the web is a big part of it, but there are two or three other platforms that I want to hit. Uh, I think ARVR is a big space. Uh, once Apple launches its $3,000 glasses, I want some of that Apple money is what it is. <laughs> uh, I think, so I think, I, I think that will be a part of it. Uh, number of people, I, I, I hadn't planned on doing games at all, but the number of kids who show up in my DM saying, Hey, can I use your stuff? Like I have an idea for a game and I'm like, Oh shit, I won't have to do. And it's like role playing, not like triple A, uh, FPS stuff. I'm like, oh, 100%. I definitely want to enable you people, which is why one of the features that PartyKit will ship with is a free tier. I have to make sure that people can do experiments and ship their stuff to vaguely production without worrying about costs. I I have to solve this for them. I'm very excited. That's an exciting prospect. I I myself love free tiers also. It's uh, helped me get... uh, experience with a lot of different tools and a lot of different environments I might have not uh, encountered before. Mm-hmm. Something to be said. See what I meant about social mobility? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great point. I, one I had never thought of, but is like an amazing point. Like it is the power the of the dream internet. Of techno- yeah, right? Like yeah. it has, it's the dream of technology. It's, it's, it fundamentally saved my life. I mean, I kept smoking weed for a few more years after that, even so, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't anymore. Which I miss. I mean, no, just so we're clear, nobody should smoke weed. It kind of ruins your life. But while it's ruined, you feel like Pink Floyd sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I think technology, like uh, it, it's it changes life so dramatically if like it's done right. I I feel strongly enough about that. So, uh, moving on to like before we move on to tooltips, we always try to ask a forward-looking question or uh, a question about uh, how you approach something and how it'll, you know, how you envisioning it going in the future. So we had something that we were going to ask, but there's a common question that we've brought up in a lot of other conversations. You, you mentioned a lot of PartyKit is open source and you're taking this big adventure, you know, you're going off, you're doing your own thing, you're building kick-ass technology and, you know, living the life. Uh, but at the end of the day, we all have bills to pay. 
how how are you planning to make this a sustainable endeavor for yourself? Uh, I have two or three ideas. Uh, so I'm going to start raising uh, this month within the next two weeks or so. Uh, I hope uh, I would like some of that venture capital money. Um, like I said, the economy is in such a good place right now. I'm sure I won't have any problem uh, getting that. Absolutely. Um, no, uh, <laughs> so venture capital, I, I, no, I, I, that said, I am actually kind of confident. I think the story is coming along like really well. And the kind of interest that Particate has gotten is very much a, listen, I need the money simply to, because people are asking for it. Uh, and I build, I build and ship fairly quickly. So this is something I can validate uh, fairly well. Uh, the other two things are, well, I, uh, I feel very strongly about charging for usage and not for users. A lot of people like charging on the basis of like connections and users connecting. Uh, that's not great, especially for real time apps, because uh, that if you charge per user, you end up um, uh, the use cases actually get very narrow, where it has to be for stuff that lasts a long period of time and very few, uh, much fewer sessions. Uh, what I want is for sessions to be like really cheap and for a lot of people to come in, come out. And it turns out to do that, you need to charge on the basis of usage. Uh, but the nice thing about charging for usage is that you can walk up to a, let's call them a bank, uh, a PJ Morgan, whatever. Uh, and uh, you can charge for enterprise. Like you charge for the people who actually like have the money, because if it turns out to be a useful tool in the small, it's also a useful tool in the big for people who do spend a bunch staring at the screen. Um, especially, and uh, the nice thing about tools like this, of course, is because party kit is so fast. It's so freaking fast. Uh, people just end up using it more because it's very comfortable to spend time. And that's the nice thing about having software that's tuned for performance, which is you don't feel exhausted by using it. That's one thing you learn when building user interfaces. Uh, so I, that's one, uh, that's the other one, which is I just want to charge enterprises and people for money. Um, I'm pretty good at keeping my costs itself down. Uh, I suspect that my costs will uh, nice thing about being me is I like remote work, which means I probably won't even have an office for many months. Uh, I'm talking to you from my dinner table right now. Like there's a lot of junk right behind this. Uh, so I know how to keep like my costs down. That being said, the reason to raise is so that I can work with uh, other talented people. Uh, I have my eye on a few people and I would like to throw some money at them and say, hey, come, let's build uh, CRDTs in, uh, on the edge. Um, but Honestly, with the amount of interest that this has and with some of the plans that I have, uh, I suspect that uh, this thing will just like sort of pay for itself. I'm not buying a Lambo, bro. Like Lambos are way <laughs> overrated. I'd like one of those uh, Suzuki Swifts because that's the hatchback I had back in India. It's not an expensive car. Uh, and I just want to like chill on the English countryside and drive around. <laughs> My man's frugal. Uh, it's not going to be a problem. There you go. There you go. <laughs> does that help? It's not, It's kind of a cop-out of an answer, but that's mostly it, which is if it does well, it does mm. well. And if it doesn't, uh, either I move on to the next thing or I get a job or something. But as of now, my priority really is, hey, this is something I believe should exist. And that's why I'm building it. It's uh, This isn't this isn't my belief. 
would be nice to make a billion of this, but I don't think uh, I don't think this is uh, the play for that. This is very much a this should exist because uh, I'm sick of not seeing applications that are that could be what right, they are. Right. I honestly think that's the best reason to build something. Uh, you know, if you're if you're in it for the money, uh, I think your product will suffer. Um, you know, unless you're just really really good, and then you know, I guess more power to you. Hmm. That's the problem, though, finding projects where you can make money from. But, Sunil, I think you found one. This seems like a, a project where you can make money. and <laughs> Make some money. Yeah. Enough to make rent. And I think, importantly, yeah. this, this you know, rounding back to sort of what you, what you started with when we're talking about edge computing is like, you know, social mobility. This definitely takes a complicated problem domain uh, and makes it more approachable and more feasible. And, you know, if it helps... Some kids out there make games or someone published their first, you know, real time app or whatever. That'll be, you know, tremendously valuable in and of itself. So it's awesome. Oh, I know how I'm going to make money. I'm going to charge all the LLM dudes. Ah, oh, that's what it is. Oh, that's part of the story. Uh, so if humans use a WebSocket, I'm going to charge X. But if an LLM is connected to a thing, I'm charging 10 X. That's okay. That's the, that's the plan. Done. Done. Okay. I got the monetization strategy. Nice. Nice. Okay, well, that wraps it up uh, for tooltips and for the episode. Thanks for coming on, Sunil. This was a super interesting conversation about how applications might be structured in the future and how you hope they will be structured. So uh, I wish you luck, and it looks like you built something really cool here. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful to come on. I do like talking about my work, and uh, now that I'm working on it alone, I get like not that much opportunity, so it was really fun to talk to you all. Uh, please edit this to make me smart. Yes, I know. Such a pleasure. Uh, so good talking to you again. Hopefully, I'll come back to London sometime soon, and we can... Uh, Looking forward uh, to it. Let's party when you're in London. Hang out at the TL Draw <laughs> office again? <laughs> like, Hell yeah, of course. Most definitely. Andrew, most definitely. we're all going to have to go. We'll have a DevTools episode from the TL Draw office. We'll just have everybody there. I'm, I'm down. Tell me the next time you're going to London. I, I got a credit card. I can buy a, <laughs> buy a plane ticket. So, by the way, this is uh, Steve's uh, uh, business idea, which is if TLDraw doesn't work out, he'll just keep getting developers over to the TLDraw office, uh, and he's going to rename the company to Cloudflare. That's what it's going to Is it Cloud Flout or something like Cloud Cloudflare. It's Cloudflare. Cloud, Cloudflare. Cloudflare. Yeah, nice. Cloudflare. <laughs>